Jesus loves me, this I know. For the Bible tells me so, and my life is a demonstration of that. Because if he didn't, I wouldn't be standing here. Because I would have destroyed my life. Before Christ, that's what I was doing. But God cares about you. He cares about everything you care about and everything happening in your life. Satan, on the other hand, tries to convince you of other things. And this isn't part of the message, but um, I just think some of you need to hear this today. Don't allow Satan to make you ashamed of your scars. Because after all, your scars are proof that the healing has begun. That's the God we serve. You know, one of the things that I have been asked so many times since becoming a, a pastor is a word that every parent of a toddler is very familiar with. Those of you that are around toddlers very often already know it, right? It's a three-letter word. Why? I need you to wash your hands. Why? I need you to go to sleep. Why? I need you to get up. Well, you don't usually have to tell them that one. Why? 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 The interesting thing is... I really think we need to rethink how we address their questions. Because they're really asking one of the most important questions that you will ever answer in your life. Why? Not so much, why do I need to wash my hands? But the question of why? And this morning, as we continue our series on its time... Looking this morning at the fact that it's time to know your why. It's time to know your why. Why are you here? Why should you do what you do? If you don't answer the why, the what will never make sense. And we get the what and the why confused a lot. I'm a pastor, but that's what I do, not why I do it. We need to carefully consider the issue of a why. What's your why as a parent? What's your why as a spouse? What's your why as an employee or an employer? What's your why as a grandparent? That one's easy. Spoil them. Send them home. But what's your why in just life and what you do? What's your why for showing up here today? What is your why? You see, your why is your purpose. You know, I started with, do you know your why? Why? Are you living out your why? Is your why obvious to those around you? Your why is your purpose. And your why is different than your 
what? Now, Jesus gave us some great examples, some in teaching and some in the literal example of watching what he did to answer the why question for us. So if you have your Bibles or your Bible on your devices, I invite you to turn two places, both in the New Testament. That's in the back half of the book. One is Matthew 28, verses 16 through 20, and the other is Luke chapter 19, verses 1 through 10. In Matthew 28, verses 16 to 20, it's what we often refer to as the Great Commission. Jesus telling us, here's what you should be about. Unfortunately, it might more accurately be described as the Great Omission instead of the Great Commission. I'm reading from the English Standard Version. It says, Now the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain to which Jesus had directed them. And when they saw him, they worshipped him. But some doubted. And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Holy Spirit. Excuse me, of the Father, of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always. And then Luke chapter 19, those first 10 verses is Jesus giving us an example of how to live out the why. It says he entered Jericho and was passing through, and behold, there was a man named Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector and was rich. He was seeking to see who Jesus was, but on account of the crowd, he could not because he was small in stature. So he ran ahead climbed up into a sycamore tree to see him, for he was about to pass that way. And when Jesus came to the place, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, hurry and come down, for I must stay at your house today. So he hurried and came down and received him joyfully. And when they saw it, they all grumbled. He has gone to be the guest of a man who is a sinner. And Zacchaeus stood and said to the Lord, Behold, Lord, the half of my goods I give to the poor. And if I have defrauded anyone of anything, I restore it fourfold. And Jesus said to him, Today salvation has come to this house, since he also is a son of Abraham. For the Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. The Son of Man came to seek and and to save the lost. There are a few things that I just want to make sure you understand in the big picture of this before we look at the points of the message. One, Jesus had risen from the dead after his crucifixion. He had appeared uh, a few times to the disciples and to many other people. And so he now told the disciples, come and meet me. And when they showed up, they worshiped him. I mean, part of this, this was all still fresh, but also it's the appropriate response on our behalf. Anytime we encounter Jesus, and since he's always with us, worship is always appropriate. In fact, it's always needed. 
I don't mean a worship service. I mean worship. Falling down before him with our life, our heart, our mind. And I want you to not miss the fact that they fell down in worship before him. And yet in that group, there were some who doubted. So if you're here this morning and you came in with some doubts, you're in pretty good company. And he still welcomes you and so do we. We sometimes act like we're afraid of people's questions or doubts as if God can't handle that. I mean, if he's God and he is, then why are we worried about somebody doubting? He's still God. And if you came in with doubts this morning thinking you're going to get rejected, no, not by him, not by me, and it better not be by any of us. The other thing I want you to notice is in the story of Zacchaeus. I'm always fascinated every time I read this account that they pointed out that Zacchaeus was very short. Now, it says it very nicely, small in stature. He was a shrimp, okay? He couldn't see Jesus because he couldn't see over anybody my guess is also that because he was a tax collector, and understand in that culture, tax collectors, especially Jewish tax collectors, those who were supposed to be in the brotherhood with them, who were working for the evil Roman government and demanding taxes from others, were among the most hated of all people. That's whose house he went to. I have a feeling that one of the reasons Zacchaeus had to climb the tree is because people kept blocking him off. You've never done that to anybody, right? Yeah, because that confession message is coming soon. And there's also a humorous statement that Zacchaeus gives. Just so you get this big picture. He stood when Jesus came and he encountered Jesus. His life was changed and transformed. And he stood and said, if I have defrauded anyone, eh, the better statement would have been, since I have defrauded everyone, here's what I'm going to do. But he was confessing and making restitution in that. So with that picture and understanding that, let's look at the why. To understand what Jesus told us and what he showed us. Now Jesus said our why is, according to the Great Commission, Matthew 28, verse 18, our why, part of our why is to make disciples. Jesus said to them, verse 18, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. And I love the amplified version um, of this says, Jesus came and said to them, all authority, all power of absolute rule in heaven on earth has been given to me. In other words, there is no doubt. God is God and he's over everything. And Jesus being one with God, sent by God to us is saying, I've got all the authority and here's the authority I'm now giving you. Make disciples. That's part of our why. Our denomination uses that as part of our mission statement, making disciples of all nations. What are we doing to make disciples where we are? What are you doing to make disciples where you are? 
Now, a disciple is someone who follows and imitates Christ. Actually, you can use that for anyone. Someone who, is, who follows someone else and imitates them as a disciple of that person. Little kids do that to parents and grandparents, just watching them, try to walk like them, sound like them. We talked about this in, in my group on Wednesday night, and sometimes that's a wake-up call because we go, uh-oh. That's not what I want them to do. But they learned it from me. I better change me so they will change them. A disciple, someone who follows Jesus and imitates him, not in fake or pretending, but in imitate so that I can follow him. Let me ask you how your imitation of Christ is going. Does anybody recognize it? You see, someone who does good impressions, we hear or see them and go, oh, that's them. I may have said this another time, but I'm going to repeat it because it fits. When I was a youth pastor, one time in our youth group, we played church charades. A team would get up and imitate someone adult in the church. And we had to guess who they were. It was absolutely hysterical because they nailed it. It was just so funny until they did me. But it, I mean, it was fun. They didn't tell us who they were doing. They started doing it. And some of the kids immediately went, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's they were imitating them. But what it amounted to is they did it well enough that we knew who they were imitating without them telling us. So let me ask you, is your imitation of Christ so good that people know who you're imitating without you having to tell them? A disciple follows so close, imitates so well that people know whose disciple you are. That's part of our why, to be like Jesus. If you're a disciple, you should look like him. You should sound like him. You should act like him. We're also told, and we don't have time to break all these out, but I have to add this, that our why, Jesus said, verses 19 and 20, is accomplished through evangelism, through teaching, through obedience, and through worship. Verses 19 and 20, go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, of the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all I have commanded you. And he adds the comfort, I'll be with you always. The evangelism. Reaching people for Christ, seeing others come to faith in Christ. We used to be all about that. Now we're just a little bit about it. We need to get back to being a lot about it because it's a command. 
It's also the example of Christ. In other words, we need to be helping lead people into a personal relationship with Christ. If you have not had a personal encounter where you, for yourself, have prayed, said yes to Jesus, to be your Lord and Savior, you're not following Christ. What too many do is they come to church and think that's following Christ. It's good that you come, not just because I'm the pastor, um, but because we need to do that. We need that encouragement. We need that instruction. We need that uh, community. We need that fellowship and on and on it goes. But showing up here does not make you a follower of Christ, a Christian. Following Christ after having an encounter a moment in time where we said yes to him. Following what our parents did is good if they followed Christ, but you still have to do it for yourself. I'm fortunate in the legacy of my family on both sides. I can go back a few generations and find the followers of Christ. But I still had to make the decision for myself. So did my kids and so do my grandkids. So do you. It's part of our why. The teaching part. It says teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. We need to be teaching people about Jesus and about how to follow Jesus. It's knowledge, but it's also experience. Because I'm not sure you truly know something until you do something with what you know. I don't know about you, but if I take my car to a mechanic, you know, a certificate on the wall is okay, but I want to know, do you know how to work on the engine? Not do you know how to pass a test. I go to the doctor, I don't pay any attention to what college they graduated from. I do pay attention to what others who've gone to them have told me about how they cared for them physically. We need that personal experience. We need to teach them about Jesus, the knowledge, the experience, and the serving him. Teaching them and showing obedience. That's why he said, teach them to observe, to do all that I have commanded you. Knowledge without obedience is wasted knowledge. It's trivia. Now you can do well and win prizes at a trivia bowl, but it doesn't matter <laughs> for life. Too many of us are into the trivia of Jesus instead of following him. And part of our why and part of what we do as we follow Jesus is we need to lead people to worship him. That means we got to worship ourselves. Not from a personal preference. That's not where we lead them. But with the purpose of pointing them to Jesus. And drawing people closer to Jesus. It 
it's not about our preference, it's about him. What does it take to draw people to him? That's what Jesus said our why is. And that needs to be applied as a parent, as a spouse, as a grandparent, as an employee, as an employer, as a friend, as a neighbor, as a good citizen of a community. All of those things being applied and becoming part of our why. What I love about Jesus, though, is he didn't just say it. He did it. So he backed his words up, which made his words more powerful. Someone who tells you something, but doesn't do that something, after a while, you quit listening to what they say. I told the example on Wednesday nights about number of years ago, the National Beef Council had these commercials about, you know, eat beef, etc. I don't mean Wendy's, where's the beef? But I mean the, the, the Beef Council's commercials and they hired some famous at that time Hollywood actors and actresses to be their spokesperson. I got so turned off when there was an actress who was doing those beef commercials and I found out she was a strict vegetarian. I quit listening because her words meant nothing because her actions were the opposite. I'm not speaking against vegetarians. It's just an example, okay? And if you're a vegetarian, I'll take your meat. It's okay. <laughs> His example of living it out and why. And this passage in Luke 19 about Zacchaeus is perfect. Here's what we see of what he did. He, was, he stopped and interacted with Zacchaeus. And more of us need to do some stopping in our daily routines and interacting with some people who are already around us. And with some people that come across our path that God's put there intentionally so we can be Jesus to them. Jesus interacted. He got to know him. We need to get to know some other people. And you got to be wise. Don't just go knock on your neighbor's door who you've never talked to before and said, my pastor said I need to get to know you. Where were you born? What's your birth date? What's the password to your Wi-Fi so I can use it, etc." No, I mean get to know them, who they are. Find out their story. He spent time with him. He went to his house. That's what he got in trouble for by the other church people. He's gone to the home of a sinner, which would have been true if he'd have gone to their home. We have a tendency to pick on people who sin differently than we do. Mm -hmm. We don't have trouble with the thing they have trouble with, so we look down on them. Oh, I could go a long time on that. Jesus showed us. He stopped and interacted with him. He spent time with him, got to know him. He accepted Zacchaeus right where he was. He didn't approve of it. He accepted him. There's a difference. Some will tell you that if you accept somebody, you're telling them you approve. No. Nobody who thinks, thinks that. That's an excuse. I can accept a person without accepting everything they believe. 
And by the way, I can do it civilly and still maintain a relationship with them. A whole bunch of us need to learn that on Facebook. He accepted Zacchaeus. He went to his house. It, I mean, don't, this is one thing you might not want to follow of Jesus' example because he just looked at Zacchaeus and said, hey, dude, I'm coming to your house to eat today. I don't necessarily recommend that method. Who knows? Maybe it would work. I don't know. But he accepted him right where he was, where he was, in the tree in Jericho. And in his house. In other words, he did this where Zacchaeus already was. We want to reach people for Jesus. And we wonder why they don't come here. How about we go there? And they get to know who we are. And we get to know them. Then maybe they will come here. And even if they don't come here, we've taken Jesus there. And last Jesus showed us this by declaring his purpose Luke 19:10 he said for the son of man came to seek and to save the lost he repeated that in different slightly different wording many times the Son of Man came to serve instead of be served. He came to seek and to save that which is lost. Let me ask you, what's your why? In your home? At work? Here? In your community? Are you living out what you say your why is? That means doing the things that your why implies. And in following Jesus' example, let me ask this question. Who are you meeting, seeking for Jesus' sake? I don't mean as a project, you looking at them that way, so you can you know, get a notch on your belt. I mean that you care about them, so you are intentionally bringing Jesus to them by how you live. And as he opens the door, you tell some things, but that you are seeking to bring Jesus to other people. And I don't just mean those who already know. That's good. We need the community and the fellowship together with one another. But we also need to go out to the others, not just cluster with the another's. Your why, if you get in touch with your why, your what will be transformed. If you understand your why, everybody will be impacted by whatever you do. What's your why? If you can't answer that, you need to spend some time thinking about it. More importantly, praying about it. Looking in God's word for it. 
and then living it out on a daily basis. Not just so you can answer the questions, but so that you can live in the real world among others who need Jesus. Our why matters. What's your why? Jesus, thank you for being such a powerful example of why. Not just to know it, but to live it out on a daily basis. Oh, Lord, forgive us for the times all we do is say we know instead of living out what we claim to know. Lord, our prayer should always be, help us to be more like you. But that takes some effort on our part too. So this morning, this day, this week, guide us as we seek to understand the why and then how to live it out. Guide us in our homes, in our marriages, in our families, at our places of business, in our neighborhoods, and even in this place to live it out. Lord, we pray this in the powerful and matchless name of Jesus. Amen.